This is a Life School podcast, episode number 147. And today, we're going to talk about the disturbing topic of addiction and freedom with our special guest, Todd Wormers. No, I'm not a writer. Okay. Welcome to the Life School Podcast, where each week you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith in every area of life. This is the stuff that your parents, teachers, and pastors forgot to tell you. I'm Heath Hollinsby, and I'm here with your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey, Heath. What's going on today, man? Man, just enjoying the, the getting started in 2018. Is, is your is your mom still out there, like, bummed that we say that she forgot to teach you all this stuff? I know. Every time. I mean, I get we're, coming up, we're coming up soon here. In a, in a few weeks on like our one year anniversary episode. Yeah. So that'd be a lot of stuff, Ma. You yeah. Know? It's a lot of <laughs> stuff. to teach. You know, she's still faithful. Like, in, I mean, I, almost every week I get a text like, oh, this is the best pod. Like, she's just a. Ma, listen, just keep leaving those iTunes reviews for us. <laughs> they're okay? the best. <laughs> yeah, they're... Hey, today uh, we're going to talk about a to- the topic of addiction. Yeah. And... Super fun, man. Thanks. Yeah. You know, you know what's weird about the topic of addiction is you and I kind of talked about even having this as part of, you know, an episode sure. is I think it's real easy for folks to go like, Oh, addiction. Yep. Don't have that in my life. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, cause we just, we think only of like alcoholism or like sure. doing drugs or yeah, super hard. Right. Sure. And that's horrible. And there's a lot of that. And we are going to talk about some of that today. Yep. And Todd helps a lot of people with that, but little addictions and literally beha- little behavioral issues crop up in our lives, all of our lives. And it's, it's those things unchecked. And not without the gospel yep. that lead to those bigger ones. No one just one day is like leading this glorious, wonderful, happy, joy-filled life, and then goes, "You know what I I'm going to start doing? I'm gonna Injecting throw my life away. heroin into my, you know, or, or yeah. something horrible, right? No one starts out trying to be an alcoholic. Like it's one drink, and then it's two, and then it's two too many, yeah. and now it's too many days in a row, and pretty soon we're having a problem. So I just, I just want to throw that out because this is a heavy topic, yep. but it's going to our listeners are going to dig this because Todd has got a great story. And and he's, we're gonna we're gonna get to the other side of freedom and joy, and it might help some people listening. Yep. Maybe it's their this is secret in their lives. They really they're hiding it, or a lot of us. I I almost don't know anybody that doesn't have somebody in their life that deals with heavy addictions. Absolutely, you know, heavy drug and alcohol addictions. Like I, I that's my family's background. Just to mm-hmm. say it right up front, my dad and his dad, alcoholics. You know, wow. but my my grandfather died at thirty six of alcoholism. Hmm. That's young that man. So thirty six. Yeah, that's hardcore. Jeez. Right? Yeah. But no help for that other than they'd lock him up, you yeah. know, and then they let him out. Like, he was like Otis on, you know, Andy Griffith Show or something. You know, I was yeah. like, yeah, horrible, man. But the beautiful thing is we're also going to talk about the freedom that can be found and how Absolutely. to get through some of Absolutely. that stuff. Absolutely. So this this is going to be a pretty hope-filled episode, actually. So anyway. Yeah, and I don't think there's anyone, I mean, maybe there's somebody, but more qualified than Todd. So Todd's one of my best friends in the world, but he's also a counselor at the Center for Professional Excellence in Nashville, Tennessee. And CPE, the Center for Professional Excellence, is an addictions treatment center that exists to treat professionals who are struggling with behavior and addiction issues. And he's not just like theoretical about it. This guy's still a full-time pastor, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's living it and he's Doing it to serve the larger community. Yeah, it's beautiful. That's awesome, man. Well, let's let's get him on. All right, so Todd, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, glad to be on today. Yeah, hey, so uh, we don't sound so excited, Todd. Yeah. I mean, I know this isn't like Jimmy Fallon here or whatever, but we're gonna have a good time. (laughs) It's gonna be good. Hey, would you first first give us like a a sort of a real life working real life definition of addiction? It's a pretty scary word for a lot of folks. Yeah. Uh, How would you how would you describe that? 
Well, I think it's a word now that's becoming really popular in, you know, culture and media. And it's kind of, it's not a cool thing to do, but it's like, oh uh, yeah, addiction. But, you know, for me, when I look at addiction, I work with addiction every day um, at um, a place called Journey Pure. And my particular branch of Journey Pure is called CPE, Center for Perfectual Excellence. So I see it all day, every day. And so I think that the easiest way to describe it is we're looking for something external to medicate the internal. So whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, there's all these external things that we go to to satisfy this internal pain that we continue to run from. Um, and, yeah. you know, so I th- that's the easiest way for me, an external uh, solution to an internal problem. Which is almost the definition of sin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, absolutely. It. So wow. I think, too, another way, another a great way is that I like to tell people is I think addiction is um, Satan's velvet glove that he uses with a iron an iron uh, covering. So it's like this smooth looking thing, but man, it gives a it gives a wicked punch. So I think it is it's definitely sin, but it's just like man, he's so cunning and baffling um, and powerful that he'll he uses those things in a, in a wicked way. So yeah, I. I I agree with you, Susan. Yes, sure. That's super helpful. So, so Todd, do you mind sharing your story uh, in regards to addiction and how you got to where you are now? Yeah, so uh, I know it's a compact show, so I'll try to like share my story <laughs> compactly. Like, just dredge up some really painful stuff from your past <laughs> that God's redeemed you of, and do it really, really quickly. Amen, amen. So, at 13, uh, 14 years old, I was abandoned by my parents at an airport, and uh, I remember like the pain. What? Wait, stop. What? Really? Yeah. So, um, and this is being recorded. So uh, if my parents hear it, good luck. So what happened was my parents mm. were going through a, a pretty nasty, wicked divorce. And uh, my mom just couldn't. I have a, a older sibling and a younger sibling. And so my older sibling and I basically got um, shipped off to Texas. So when I was born, I was born to my mom and dad, obviously. But my parents, my original parents got divorced and my mom fled to Virginia. And then I had nothing to do with my biological dad until I was in ninth grade. This is when this is the year it happened. So I met my real dad for the first time my whole life, uh, my freshman year of high school, and then went out to see him my uh, Christmas, Easter. And then that summer, I was going to go spend a week, two weeks out there uh, for the summer and then come home and kind of do my thing at home and at the airport. And so I say abandoned is I had no knowledge that I was getting sent to Texas. So at the ticket counter, the it's old school paper tickets. The lady at the ticket counter puts our return tickets down. The lady swooped it. Uh, my, the lady, my mom Hmm. swooped it and said, you're never moving home. I just remember the pain, the pain of that moment and walking, crying all the way to the, to the airplane and going through the, getting on the plane and I put my head on my little, on my older brother's shoulder. And I had this internal thought that said, I will never feel this pain again. This, this abandonment, this loneliness, whatever I have to do, I'll never, I'll never feel it again. And at that point, you know, I had dabbled in pornography as a middle school boy. I I think that's just kind of middle school. Um, Hmm. And at that point, man, like pornography became the thing. Because it, it really did give me this sense of longing and belonging and mattering. 
and it soothed that that pain of loneliness. You know, my parents had rejected me, but what I I never got the answer no or I'll leave you from pornography. And so from that moment on, it just continued to skyrocket from there. My senior year of high school, I came to know Christ um, in a pretty dramatic way. But the church um, said no to pornography, but didn't offer a, a, a yes to something else, if that makes sense. Sure does. And so I went, under, I went underground more with pornography and went above ground more with my relationship with God, meaning I thought, well, if I could just escape pornography through religion, then this underground would get taken care of. So I went to Bible college, became a pastor, you know, all the things people hear, like, sure. if, I, if I do this, then it'll go away. If I do this, then it'll go away. And I got married and thought, well, now, you know, I'm a sexual being, I'm a sexual creature. And for the first time, I have something that God has said I can say yes to, hmm. but I had never dealt with the pain uh, from my childhood. Yeah. And so, um, that my intimacy with my wife was, uh, true, but there was this underground world that just never got dealt with. And so it just kind of, the chasm between the two began to grow and grow and grow and grow until, um, Jenny, uh, my wife caught me on a Saturday morning, 2008. Well, Todd, Todd, let me ask you. So before you kind of head into that, wow. Ouch. I mean, thanks for sharing all that. That's, yeah, that's pretty heavy. That's man. some pretty heavy stuff. And I appreciate your heart in being willing to, obviously you've shared it before, but wow, still, man, I'm sitting here like locked up a bit. Um, I'm hearing in this though, and I don't want to skip over it for, for myself or our listeners. Um, sounds like there's a thing behind the thing and our listeners have often heard Heath and I talk about that. What explain why our primary addiction and use your own story if you're willing to there. Uh, why, why is our, our primary addiction is never really our core addiction. I think because God's created us as emotional and spiritual beings to, uh, or we're created for one thing and that's to be in relationship with God and other people. We see that throughout the Bible. Right. And so at, at, at our core, uh, two things must always be answered. I matter and I belong. We see that we see that the garden where they first fall, right? He God asked them the question, where are you? That's that's a sense of you matter to me and you belong to me. Where are you for me? It, it wasn't a GPS question. It was a heart question like Adam and Eve, what's going on internally with you hmm. that you'd have to go hide externally from me? And so I think that for our whole my whole life, your whole life as human beings, we always look for that. And God had created our parents to be the primary caregivers or the primary answers to that question. And for most of us, um, our parents, for me, obviously, if you've heard my story, my parents said, I don't matter and I don't belong. So I found something that did matter and did belong. So therefore, my primary addiction uh, is what do I do with this loneliness? What do I do with this hurt? What do I do with this pain? What do I do? Like, that's my primary. I'm addicted to um, to those things and, and not in a, not in an unhealthy way, but in a healthy way. But then because that distortion happens, I've got to find something to medicate, to really medicate the problem. Absolutely. And, and you, man, you're putting a real fine point on something here, I think. And that's, that's that all sin and all addiction is actually something that God created good in you and us. But then we we distort it or we try to fulfill it outside of him. So a desire to belong and matter, that's God-given. Yeah, amen, amen. 
right? Amen. Right. Everybody, everybody should have that. Yeah. <laughs> That's God's giving you that. You should, and, and it's not wrong to want to matter or want to belong. No. God's giving you that. But all sin, including addictions, in this one, you, you know, you're sharing about your own life with pornography. And I know a lot of our listeners are going to go, yep, that's that's mine or that was mine. And and uh, but it could also be drugs or work or um, just fill in the blank. Right. Yep. And it's it's always these things where God created us to desire this, want intimacy, want connection, all that stuff. Yeah. And it's good. And we try to find it outside of him or his his order, his kingdom, the way the life is set up to work. And that's, that's what becomes addiction or idols or, yeah, yep, wow. Yep, for sure. So let me, I'm going to guess that maybe once you understood that, it wasn't a magic switch. It wasn't like, oh, I see what's going on. My primary addiction is not really, you know, it's this, the thing behind the thing. It's not always, I mean, sometimes people can understand that, right? But it doesn't necessarily immediately fix it. Like, click. No. It's fixed. No, no, that's for sure. Why is that? Well, because I, for me in particular, I think for us, our society says feelings are bad. And, and the church would say that too. And now we wouldn't say that in the church, but we say that in the church. Sure. Right. Oh, don't, don't have, don't be angry. Don't be this. Don't be sad. Don't be lonely. Turn that frown upside down. Yeah. Like, well, have, have the joy of the Lord. And so we, we couch it in such a way that's like, oh, well, I shouldn't have feelings. Like, and I should only have the positive feelings. So, um, you know, I went to treatment for three months and, uh, my mentor and who I work for, but who I was in treatment with my boss, Chip Dodd wrote this phenomenal book, um, called voice of the heart. In that book, he, he says we have, uh, eight primary feelings. Now not that there's only eight feelings, but there's eight prime, like three colors. He'd say there's eight primary feelings. And he goes through those eight feelings and said, there's a, an impairment of those feelings and a gift that comes out of those feelings. Hmm. So for instance, um, intimacy comes out of a healthy place of loneliness, hmm. right? Cause if I really, I'm, I'm really lonely, I, I'm really longing for something more. That's intimacy. Yeah. Right. So, so that really was very helpful to like say, Oh man, like not all feelings are bad. When you look at the list, most people, when they look at the list, there's eight feelings. They say, well, the only one that's uh, the positive feeling, quote unquote, is glad. But it's like, no, they're they're all gifts from the Lord. Okay, so I have to ask it, Todd, because as soon as you mentioned it, I know my heart and mind and curiosity want to know. I bet our listeners do too. What are the eight primary emotions? So sad, fear, shame, lonely, anger, hurt, and guilt, and glad. That's crazy because that that sounds like seven out of the eight are just negative. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's what everyone says. And you know what's weird too, man? I mean, this is hitting my heart in a pretty heavy way, Todd. Um, my wife and I both, it was it was interesting. Uh, we were both raised uh, pretty much where you weren't allowed to have emotions, like you just said, in the church. Like, no one would say that. But really, the only acceptable emotion, the only one that was kind of allowed in our families was glad, to be happy, to be glad. And we would say things like, oh, you want to cry about it? Well, you can go in your room until you can come out and be happy. You know, or, yo, you're going to be, you're going to be upset with your sister. Well, just go in the room when you can like figure out how to be happy. You can come back. You know, that's right. I'm just sitting here like kind of having a Kairos moment with the Lord a little bit thinking some of that, maybe this is what you're getting at, has to be sort of the enemy's seeds for addiction because we're not allowed to experience those and, and what they actually got in a godly way can produce all those. So we run to something else. Yeah. So then we go ahead and fill in the blank ourselves. Cause, cause these emotions are going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to feel fear. I'm going to, I'm going to feel, I'm going to feel lonely. I'm yeah. Wow. That, and that's what we're trying to do with our kids. You say, look, feelings are feelings. There's, they, they are what they are. And so let's just deal with them mm. rather than hide them or whether to, um, 
explode them, like make them bigger than what they are too. So it's like, they're just feelings. They're just, these are what they are and let's deal with them. We're learning now, my wife and I, Tina, we're learning with our grandsons and like, like our oldest grandson's just a year, okay, 13 months, I think today or something. But um, we're learning to try to name and affirm their emotions. Like, I know, I know you're upset right now. I know that's scary, honey, but grandpa's here and we can, you know, so we're trying to not just, you don't have to be, you don't have to be afraid, yeah. you know, of the vacuum cleaner or whatever, a dog bark, you know, or whatever, you know, you don't have to cry. Like, oh, sweetie, I know you're upset yeah. right now about that. I that's, remember Todd, when I was living in Nashville, you, I think with one of our kids, it was like, you know, one of the most harmful things you can do is like, you know, stop crying, just stop your crying. Yeah. Like, no, like let them cry. Like yeah, I don't have a whole lot of words yet. I'm trying to express something here. And so when yeah. you when you constantly castrate that and don't let that happen, it's like, of course we're going to run to something else, right? So true. So Todd, what are some ways that you've seen uh, men and women find victory from addiction and this sort of false replacement to try to get our emotions healed or you know to get what God's created in our hearts is in a good way? What are some ways you've seen people find victory? Yeah. So the primary way I've seen it is um, through what we call it at the center is the process. We call it, give, give it to the process is what you call it. And people are like, well, what is the process? And the process is, for us is threefold and they have to go in this order. So feel your feelings, tell the truth about your feelings and give them to God and give them to other people. Hmm. Right? So it's, I, I gotta, I've gotta know what really am I feeling? So I've gotta be truthful with myself. Like what, what's really going on here? Because I come from a world that says I shouldn't have fear. I shouldn't be angry. I shouldn't be lonely. So I, well, we, what happens is we grow up, we distrust our own selves of what really is going on. Yeah. And so the, the flip to that is no, like trust your feelings. And if I'm afraid or lonely, okay, like let's explore that by telling the truth about what, I, what is it I'm afraid about? And then we enter into the relational aspect. I bring that to God. I bring that to other people. That's where kids do it beautifully. They, they trust their feelings. Until we crush that out of them. Exactly. You know, I think one of the primary ways with kids is uh, being afraid of the dark. Uh, th- don't be afraid of the dark. There's nothing in there. Well, their their fear is saying, no, like I'm terrified something's in this room. Yeah. A healthy response is let's go in there. Let's sit with them. Say, okay, what's going on? I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? Oh, someone's underneath the bed or someone could crawl in. And so I, I just sit with my daughter who's six in that. And I say, okay, like let's talk about what's so scary for you about it. And Hey, I'm here with you. And I, I don't say you shouldn't feel fear. Huh. No, I'm like, okay, you're afraid. Like, so let's explore what's going on. That's really good, ma'am. And to let her know she's not alone in that fear. Like embracing the feelings. Yes. Yeah, now that leads to the, that leads to that second one where you've got to, you've got to be able to talk about it, right? You like yeah. be honest with yourself. Like you got to know it, right? Yep. But the second one is you got to be able to be honest with it. Yes. That'll lead to being able to talk to God and others. Cause I tell you, because if years and years of like, you shouldn't feel that way. Yes. And, and we've often said on the show, like we got to stop shooting all over people. Yeah. Like, but from years of it, like, oh, you shouldn't feel that way. Boy, you start to realize even either through the help of a counselor or a close friend or God's spirit reveals it this is what's going on this is this is what i'm experiencing this is my emotion yeah um to get to the point of feeling safe enough to talk about it because because you said it just a, just a minute ago um i don't want to admit to anybody i'm lonely yeah i don't want to i don't want to admit that i have fear in my life hey come on i'm in my 50s i got this all wired i'm a i'm on this podcast i'm an expert about everything in the world right i don't want to admit any of the seven on that list i think if we're being honest too there's We've, we've all been vulnerable and that's been stamped out of us as well. Like we go to a person who's actually abused that information against us, right? Like exactly where you go like, 
I'm feeling this. And it's like, oh, stop feeling that. You, should, you have no right to feel that. Or they downplay yeah. or they abuse the vulnerability that you've actually presented the information with. Yeah, for me, with my with my pants, you know, when they ship, ship me off to Texas, I'd call back home and say, look, this I'm sad and lonely and fearful out here. Oh, this is what's best for you. Hmm. Like that, that was the message this is what, yeah. and so in turn, I'm like, okay, these are my parents who they say they know what's best for me. So me being lonely or afraid must not be what's best for me. What's being best for me is stay quiet yeah. and just go along to get along, if you know what I mean. So for me, it's just coming back to, okay, like my feelings are my feelings and I've got to deal with them. Hmm. And I have to have, like you said, Heath, I've got to have really safe healthy people around me that let me have my feelings and help me deal with my feelings and, you know, help correct me when my, my feelings can go haywire fast. But what if a person says, I don't know what I'm feeling. I just drink too much. Like it's apparent now that I do. I didn't start out trying to, or I, I didn't, I didn't, didn't you, I didn't plan to fall in the addiction of pornography, but I don't know what I'm feeling. What if a person doesn't, what, what would be your advice? I, I think most people that say that me included, because I would have said that. I looked at that those eight eight feelings on the floor, and I was like, "Man, that's Mandarin. I, that's a foreign language." Yeah, I, I get it. They're elementary school words, but I don't identify with any of those. Which said to me and to my counselors, like, "Man, that guy he knows his story logically, but he doesn't know his story emotionally. He doesn't know where he comes from." And so I think what what we have to help people do is let's get back to where you came from and the emotions that were there when you when you were growing up and being matured into the man you are and most 99.9% of the time as we look backwards with people there's these moments in their lives where they would see the spike of the addiction because of the painful parts of their addiction like oh i i lost like literally i lost my dog and so i drank or i lost a girlfriend so i found you know more partners or i there's all this loss in our lives, all these painful places in our lives that because we didn't deal with the pain, the emotions of the pain, then we medicated that and it just began to increase. And so it's the nature of a disease. The tolerance of disease always grows or the tolerance of addiction always grows. So what you're saying is unless you're able to actually you know, address your feelings, uh, be honest with somebody else... You're not going to get out of this alone, right? No, no way. No, no way. And you just said our tolerance for addiction grows. That's, wow. That's that powerful. I was, I was watching a segment on, on a news program just yesterday, Todd, and um, they were talking about the differences between men and women in alcohol use, hmm. right? And just how they have physiologically and emotionally affect men and women differently. And and they had come up with, I, I had, they didn't, the show didn't, but they, they were using a new term. They said, well, yeah, more and more women are having what they called AAD. It was... It was alcohol abuse disorder. They didn't want to call it alcoholism anymore. Yeah. There's a talent. There's like, yeah, you know, it started out like I just wanted to have a glass of wine after work. And then it was like two glasses of wine. Now I realize I do three or four and I do it seven nights a week. And it's like, holy cow. So am I like, am I just like drunk on the floor before I go to bed? Uh, not for that person that's built up a tolerance physically, but now they're emotionally and even culturally building up a tolerance. So it's not alcoholism that you drink that much every single night of your life. You know? right. It's, it's, it's a, dis it's a disorder. 
and uh, you know, it, and it, and I think they were pretty straight up about the disorder and, and some ways to begin to combat that. But it was all physical. None of it had to do with the thing behind the thing. None of it had to do with what's behind that. Like what? And, and they they did it in very very uh, minimal terms. Like was it stress? No, or was it you know a need for you know excitement? Or yeah, you know, it was very minimal. It wasn't any of the seven things on the list. You know, yeah, yeah. or eight rather. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway. So let me ask you, what are some resources that we can offer to people? Because, I mean, this, man, we could go so much. And I know you're just, you're flying, you're flying at, a, you know, pretty high level for us and giving us some handles to hold on to. But it, obviously this takes time and people aren't going to, you know, in 25 minutes here today with us going to like just sort this in their lives. But I think it's going to, it's going to begin to open up the top for some people to go, that's sure. where I need to look. That's, there's the thing behind the thing. So what are some resources we can offer for people struggling with? I think ground level basic is getting to community right and so i think guys girls with addiction community for them uh has to be the rooms of aa uh, alcoholics anonymous sa sexoholics anonymous na narcotics anonymous any of the the, the a meetings if you will because they got to get into a room where there's other men and women that are on that journey and some are just starting like they are and there's some that are you know 10 years 20 30 years down the road that says me too. Like the most, those two words for me were the most soothing words the first time I ever went into an, an AA meeting. Me too. And I was like, man, because cognitively I knew I wasn't alone, but I didn't know anyone else out there that really, man, did what I did. And so to sit in a room and hear the me too's, I was like, okay. And that helped me get to a place of community to get honest, to begin to share like the things I would not share in church, the things I would not share in my small group at church. So I got I got to get into a room where I wasn't judged. No one they didn't have the solution. Um, they, they you know if that makes sense. Like everyone wants to uh, let's help the addict, give them the solution. Well, the solution is community. And so if you look at the tw- you look at the twelve steps of AA, twelve steps of AA have everything. The the only one that has anything to do with the addiction is the first one, the admission of our powerlessness over alcohol. The next eleven are all about community and so it's not about the addiction it's about helping people you know the former the, the founder of aa said um th- th- our problem is that we cannot uh build an attachment with another human being is what uh, dr bob and bill wilson said now it's I, i'm misquoting him but that's basically what he said it's our inability to attach to another human being is why we... How different would this be if, if our churches actually lived in true community? And we talk about this on the show every episode, that, that we were created to live in community and show the world what God's like through that. And this is just one more sort of nail in the lid of that, like that we have to. Like we're, we're coming into these addictions because of our lack of connection and ability to experience what God's created in us as good. But the only way out of it's going to be through community and the gospel as well. Amen. Now, let me, real quick, because I'm just I was just curious. Um, Celebrate Recovery. That's a church based. Yep. It doesn't have an A in it. But is that similar? Because I know a lot of churches do Celebrate Recovery. Yeah, they're, they're, they do great work. It's 12 step, right? It's They take the 12 steps and made them into eight steps. They put, basically took the 12 steps and mashed them with the Beatitudes from now, I'm not an expert in it, but that's... And we're not here to promote any one thing. I, I, I still want our listeners not to miss it. It's, that you you got to get to the point of community and being willing to talk about it with people and just be honest about it. 
Exactly. Which is so scary on the front end. But part of that's because we, we don't live in community. Once you start to live in community where the gospel says you are loved and there is a place for you and you're, you're, you were created good and, and now there's broken stuff in your life, you, then, then you can finally get to a, start to get to a place where you can be honest about all that. That's right. So, Todd, we're running out of time here, uh, but we want to get to the big three. And those are the three takeaways we want people leaving with right now. You can get those for free by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash episode 147. Again, that's 123lifeschool.com forward slash episode 147. Todd, what are the big three for this week? I think the first one is, you know, to what length are you willing to uh, get help to get the solution for your recovery? And anything that you're saying you won't do is the very thing that will keep you from getting the help you need. So I'd say that one first. The, it's the willingness. So like if someone says, I'm not willing to talk to others about it. That's right. Then okay. they just cut themselves off right away. Wow. Or I'm not willing to quit my job or I'm not willing to go to a meeting or I'm not willing to, you fill in the blank. Like It's got to start with willingness. That's the first one, willingness. The second one is how well do you know your own story? And so, yes, cognitively, wait, can you go back and like put the feelings to your own story and the pain of your own story? And then the third takeaway is who else in your life knows that story, your story. Wow. And I've seen such false, you know, community and story where people say, like, oh, yeah, we know everybody's, you know, in our small group at our church, we all know each other's story. It's like, tell me it. It's like, well, they're from Chicago and he works, you know, at Amazon and they're they got three kids. And it's like, no, those are facts. That's not someone's story, you know. And I want to encourage our listeners that connected to addiction and just in, in light of all of that we've been talking about today, true, truly knowing your story and knowing the story of, of others and providing a safe place for that to happen is knowing their story well enough to know where their unbelief in the gospel lies. Amen. Where their emotions are being falsely filled in or they're creating a self apart from God and all that. That's knowing someone's story, yeah. not just some facts about their life and where they grew up and how many kids they have. And, you know, yeah. that's, that's, that's part of the story, but that's not the stuff. Yeah, we, we just got to get to the place in our story where the gospel intersects our story and redeems the story. I mean, that is the gospel is redemption. And so there is redemption for me of being abandoned. I can look back and see God's redemptive work in that. And because of that part of my story, uh, I am where I am today. Like, and I tell people this all the time. I don't wish uh, pornography addiction on anybody, but I don't want anyone to take it from me either because my addiction is the thing that gets me on my face before God every day and says, God, I'm powerless over this. And without you, my life becomes unmanageable. So I need you. I need the gospel to answer the yeses of my life where I've historically looked to pornography for those answers. And so the gospel intersects into each part of my story and says, this is what's true about you. This is what's true about you. That's so good, man. Wow. Thanks, man. That is so good. Hey guys, time is up. Uh, We'd like to thank you for joining us again for the free download of this week's big three takeaways. You can go to one, two, three lifeschool.com forward slash episode 147. Again, that's one, two, three lifeschool.com forward slash episode 147. Uh, And if you're not on our Facebook group, you can go there by jumping on Facebook, typing in the search bar, Life School Podcast, and uh, we'll approve you to the group. Hey, join us next week as we talk about who you really are and why and the heck you matter in this world. Or do you even? This will surprise you, and it'll also give you some keys to unlock your life in really cool ways. Well, I think we're going to see how that all ties so perfectly into what we just talked about, knowing yourself, knowing your story. It's going to be great. Hope hope people are going to join us for that. Yeah. Todd, thanks again for joining us, man. Yeah, it's a pleasure, man. I'd love to do it again. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, you can visit 123lifeschool.com forward slash podcast. (laughs) 